have no anxiety at all. That would seem like naive counsel if it wasn't coming from a man who had been beaten, stoned, and shipwrecked, who had been alienated from family and friends, who at times didn't have enough food to eat, and who wrote these lines from prison. It'd be hard to imagine to hear it as though it was legitimate, except for coming from Paul. Have no anxiety at all. So the question becomes, how is that possible? I find St. Francis de Sales helpful on this topic. He said that anxiety is both a temptation and a source from which temptation comes. So here's what happens. He says, first, an involuntary evil affects us, by which he means something bad happens to us and it's not our fault. It could be the loss of a job, inflation, illness, an emotional wound from a spouse or a friend, someone's mean to you, or it could be loneliness or temptations that haunt us through no, no fault of our own. First, an involuntary evil affects us. Now, when we become conscious of these things, he says, we become dissatisfied. That's not what I want out of life. And then what's next? Sadness is produced. I mean, that seems to be what we experience, isn't it? Something bad happens, not my fault. I'm dissatisfied with it. It makes me sad. I want it gone. Naturally, he says, we want to be rid of this sadness and the source from which it comes. But he says that it makes a huge difference in terms of why we pursue a remedy for this. The reason why we try to get rid of this makes all the difference. He said, if we look for ways to be free of the sadness for the love of God, that is so that our lives can be focused on him so that we can fulfill our mission. If we do it for that reason, well, we'll seek these ways with patience, gentleness, humility, and calmness, awaiting deliverance from the goodness and providence of God. Right? So it has something to do with trusting him. We can't see the whole picture is what we're saying. So perhaps... God is permitting this trial to bring about a good we can't imagine. I think that's what the rest of Paul's sentence is pointing to. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Now, it sounds a little simplistic, maybe, but you think, what's happening here? If you understand that your life is something about something beyond yourself, that you fit in a much larger picture, you're part of a much larger mission, then you can understand what you're doing in terms of that larger picture. I don't see it all. Maybe, like we have precedent here on the cross, some bad things happen to good people, but good things can be brought out of those bad things that happen to us. If, he says, however, you don't have that larger context, you're not doing it seeking a remedy for the love of God, if it's about me, just about me and how it affects me, he said, then we'll become restless as though our own efforts are adequate to bring relief. And if we don't quickly find what we desire, well, we become impatient and greatly disturbed. And then likely what comes next? We tend to self-medicate. 
drink, eat, buy something, pornography, just wasting time online, and the problem is compounded. This St. Francis said, instead of diminishing the original evil, makes it worse. And the soul is distressed and grieved beyond measure, her courage and strength failing so that she believes her trouble is without remedy. Thus you see how an uneasiness, which in the beginning is justifiable, engenders disquietude, which in turn brings on an increase of anxiety, which is highly dangerous. He said, because Satan tends to fish in troubled waters. Anxiety, I mean, it comes from an ill-regulated desire to be delivered from evil or to acquire good. He said, nevertheless, nothing aggravates evil and hinders good so much as anxiety and worry. Right, so then what are the remedies? How do we address it? He said, first, calm your mind and compose your judgment and will. He said, never act out of agitation. So it's like a storm that hits you. Don't act in the midst of the storm that stirs up agitation, but hold fast until the storm parts. Then quietly and gently pursue your goal, remembering in light of this is out of love for God. He might have a mission for me in this very place. Secondly, he said, in the morning and the evening, examine yourself to see if you still possess your soul. That is, look to see if some passion has got a hold of you during the day or look ahead to the day to see who you're going to be around or what you're going to be doing and how in the past maybe that you've fallen in that way and you've gotten under the control of something else. He said, if your soul has strayed, well, then gently lead it back to the presence of God. Steady your emotions under God's guidance. And then he said, third, thirdly, be careful about how anxiety and worry can snowball. When it first comes to you, something small, don't give in to it. Like, ah, I can manage this on my own. Don't give in to it, he said, because that, that simply begins this cycle that gets bigger and bigger and bigger as you go along. When you feel inclined to worry, commend yourself to God and resolve not to gratify your desire until the anxiety is passed. And then lastly, he said, it is so very helpful to visit with someone, not just anyone, maybe your confessor or a trusted friend or spouse. Not that you should expect that they're going to relieve what you're experiencing, he said, but their sympathy for your suffering has a way of helping you to be able to better bear your burdens. It's good, isn't it? Bad things happen to us. That's the lot of life, okay? If you understand it in terms of your higher purpose, then what? Calm your mind. Don't open the door to little things. Visit with those who can help you and examine yourself daily. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.